We're live, we're live. Cooler number one, what's your name? What's your podcast? Yo, we see you, we see you. Australia, you're live, you're live. Hey guys, welcome to episode 16. And today I've got Mr. K Curd in the house. What's going on, bro? How are you doing, bro? You all right? I'm good. I'm excited to have you on. I made it. I made it. I'm on the Diron Cartel podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This guy only has people with 100k thousand followers. 100k, sorry. Yeah, whatever. It's the same thing. 100k followers on Insta. Uh, I finally made it. I don't even have 50k. So this bro, is a monumental moment for me. Bro, um, you're a verified I've comedian. I've been on Apollo, but this, this, this ranks above that, bro. You, what are you saying? You've been, you've been, you've done live at the Apollo, innit? I've done live at the Apollo, yeah. Come on. That, that's, Come on. you know what? Tell people a little bit about yourself, bro. Um, so I am a stand-up comedian. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, what else do you want to know? That's that's literally it. I'm a stand-up comedian. I've been I've been on I've done bits and pieces on TV. I recently wrote on a couple of things as well. But um, uh, yeah, sick, sick. he's he's um, he's a, he's a up and coming. The future, one of the best. Not even up and coming, bro. Man's here. You get no, me? No, no, you're here, but you're up and coming. Going to be one of the best, hundred percent. Because you're funny, bro. I love your content, man. That's why I hit you <laughs> up. I love your you. content, and I relate to you Thank so you much because you're Kurdish. You're Kurdish. Kurdish. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that as well, bro. Give people more of an insight. Probably like talk about the differences between like the Turkish Kurd and the Kurdish Kurd. Yeah, okay, yeah. We'll talk Fine. about that. But for the start, yeah, tell me a joke. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I bet you get that all the time, <laughs> innit? I fucking hate that, bro. Do you, you get know what that? it is? Like, you say, you say you're a like for, when you tell people you're a personal trainer, no one goes up to you and goes, oh, I do 10 burpees or. <laughs> Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you, you're yeah. not asked to prove your your occupation straight away, right? Um, yeah. Like, it pisses me off, bro. It's like, I'm not a clown, bro. Like, most of the time, I just say my life's a joke. And then they're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so where, where are you based? You're in London. You're a London boy, like me. But whereabouts? South London. I've been in South London my whole life. My parents originally moved to Brixham back in 1990. And I live in Streatham now, so. Where did... um? Where did your parents come from? Talk about that. Tell me a bit about that, bro. So, essentially, um, my parents are from the Kurdistan region of Iraq, um, although I never classed myself as Iraqi or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and um, they, were, they were fighting against Saddam Hussein's regime. Um, so, once the resistance collapsed, obviously, a lot of uh, the fighters, which one of my, my, my dad was one of them, had to... Yeah. Um, uh, my dad was actually injured in battle and stuff. So we came here in 1990 uh, and my dad was getting treatment and stuff. And then, um, yeah, we've been here ever since. And where where were you born? Were you born there or here? I was born in a city in Iranian Kurdistan uh, called Sakhaz. Uh, so a lot. Of, so what happened in 88 when the resistance broke down and Saddam started his campaign uh, of genocide on a lot of Kurds, uh, on the Kurdish population, what, what you saw happen was a lot of... Um, Kurdish uh, fighters moving to the Kurdish cities in Iran. Yeah. So, because it, because it was essentially same language, same culture, same essentially yeah. was the same. So it was very easy to to go there and um, and live live their life. But obviously, they knew they couldn't stay there forever. Okay. Um, when we came over in, um, so I was born in uh, 1990. So within six months, we came here. So I was born in April. Within October, we were here. Yeah. So, um. And, and and it was really it was it was quite by chance actually because um, at the time the British government were taking refugees from that area. They, okay. Yeah. So we came on the plane and we landed at Gatwick Airport and then subsequently, um, 
at the time, well, there still is. There's a Kurdish cultural center in based in Oval. Yeah. And at the time, um, what the government were doing was because that was the only point of call for Kurdish people in this country, particularly from that region. Yeah. Um, they liaised with them, and what ended up happening is we were all living amongst South. We were living in South London at the time, and then um, gradually yeah. people like move on to other places because they're like, yeah, this is dangerous. You, and my dad was like, I like it here. <laughs> <laughs> have you got Have you got a lot of Kurds in South London? Um, do you know what? It, it depends where. Like there, there are some. Yeah, yeah, but it's not a massive community, and if it is, it's very dispersed. Whereas, um, do you know? Do you know what's mad? Have you ever like I've I've been to America. I was invited to their Kurdish youth conferences a few years back. Right, so we're done. And yeah, in like. So they've got like masses of like the the great thing about their community Kurdish communities is over there they're organised so but they're very much like we're American we're American but like they're Kurdish do you know what I'm saying so yeah, like yeah, they're, yeah. they're very patriotic on both sides right um, and I was introduced to uh, I didn't know but there was this massive Kurdish population in Nashville Tennessee I swear like there's literally documentaries about it called Little Kurdistan like no so. Way. Yeah, there's guys in Kurdish clothes driving on the highway and stuff like. <laughs> no yeah, way. Like, yeah, country. Music, they listen to country music, all of that, bro. Right. So, um, <laughs> it's crazy. Like when you go, there's like there's such a strong community over there. Like in fact, yeah. that they like pulled up together all their money. They they uh, they've got like their own businesses and stuff all in like around yeah. their own cult centers, mosques, and all of that sort of stuff that they built around there and they built their own little kind of like community that's over there that's and mad strong they know each other so that when they have like um nodos parties like kurdish new year yeah, 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 yeah. like they're goes having off. yeah it's, it's yeah it goes off it's crazy like so and, and, and it's it's mad like when you see that and you're like oh like yeah i wish we were that organized in other places yeah. but yeah but when when did they when did they get there because i feel like i'm like i'm There's like first kurdish generation yeah so i think but then got there in the seventies, I think families. Okay, so they're a little bit ahead. Because whereas, like my parents at the moment, like my parents speak Kurdish and Turkish, but I don't speak Kurdish. I only speak Turkish. But I feel like our generation will be able to do that if we want. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Because they will be there for longer. Kurdish, I, I speak Kurdish fluently, so I speak. Oh, sick! I read, I read and write um, Sorani, which is okay, my dialect. Yeah. So yeah. You probably speak. My parents probably speak Kurmanji. Kurmanji, yeah, they speak a different yeah. dialect. How many dialects? Yeah, yeah. How many dialects is there? I don't even know, bro. So, so the two main ones are Kurmanji and um, Sorani. So we've so, uh, and then you've got like um, other ones like Luri and, yeah. and you know, in in different places like in Hodaman, like certain yeah. districts, you've got like different accents and certain, yeah. certain different stuff. And plus, uh, because Kurds are spread over Iran, Iraq, Turkey, and Syria, what you what you tend to get is. Uh, certain words from those yeah. places seep into the language. So like in Turkish, uh, so, so like some Turkish seeps into to yeah, that, yeah, to yeah. Kind of there in uh, Farsi, in Iran, and yeah. in Arabic, in, in Syria and, and, and Iraq. But, um, but, but you know, even yeah, when you go um, from I'm, like, I'm my, bit... sorry, when you go from like my dad's village to like another yeah. village, the Kurdish dialect, it just, they just change it up, bro. They just go it's, with it's the like flow. But I mean, I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that, I mean, for example, in Turkey, you're still not really allowed to practice 
your culture and your language they're still very su very suppressed yeah yeah very yeah, yeah. So like the other day there was that kurdish kid that was stabbed for listening to kurdish music like so it's you still got a massive uh massively yeah. segregated society in a sense because even when you go to the the areas that are most populated by Kurds, there's a lack of funding. There's like yeah. it's broken down. Of you wouldn't. The, the government it, doesn't look after those regions. It doesn't look like Istanbul. It doesn't look like Ankara. It doesn't look like any of those places no, no, because no, no. they keep it impoverished for a reason. Because of course they know they know they, they don't, essentially they don't like the people that yeah. live there. And so, um, yeah, exactly. For for you, yeah, for example, you, like where where you're from, you know you're from like Kurdistan, right? For yeah. me, it's like kind of fucked because for people that don't know much about Kurdish people this is actually a good podcast for you but like whereas you're from you're like I'm from Kurdistan I say I'm from Turkey I'm Kurdish it's like when I'm in Turkey even when I was playing football in Turkey when I was like 16 17 and 19 I'm like the Kurdish boy there and when I come here I'm like the Turkish or Kurdish boy here it's like I'm like a lost soul bruv you kind of don't know I, what to say do you know what I, I mean I think I think you, I mean, for me, like I would, I, I, it was always important for me to people, for people to realize that I am Kurdish when I was, yeah. uh, when I, when I, when I made a decision to go into stand up comedy, right? Yeah. Because I, I didn't ever want to be that person that hid their identity and became racially ambiguous and whatever, because I feel it's yeah. important for, uh, although I see myself massively as British, don't get me wrong, because yeah, like, yeah, at the end same. of the day, I'm a Londoner, I'm, I'm a Londoner in it. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's nothing I can do to, to stop that, like I, I grew up listening to hip hop from South London. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? Like all of that stuff is, is deeply embedded in me. But at the end of the day, I can't forget my roots. And for me, it was always very important to um, to, to to become a role model. Not even necessarily a role model, but to provide some sort of like hope for younger Kurdish kids when they go, "Oh, he's Kurdish." Like he doesn't say he's anything. No, well, you are. When I, when I saw you, and when you when you when I saw your name, K Kurd. Someone sent me your uh, profile, a uh, video that you made that I was like, oh shit, this video is so relatable to my parents. When you, when you did that video about uh, when you're talking to your parents, when you're reading the letter and stuff, yeah. that yeah, video, yeah, that yeah. was so relatable to me. And I was like, fuck, I'm so proud of that, brother. Kurdish stand-up comedian. I was like, it, this yes. Is, this is it. I wanted people like yourself to be like, oh my God, I can say I'm Kurdish. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. because you've got him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, and not just me. I want, I want there to be a whole heap of um, young Kurds, particularly in this country, that go, yeah, yeah. The same yeah. way you've got people in the Greek community, you've got some the same people in like yeah. uh, different cultures. Like it just Elba will proudly say he's got like Sierra Leonean heritage as well as Ghanaian heritage, and yeah. and people like John Boyega is very proud of his Nigerian heritage as well. I, yeah. I just want, I I want to be able to be in a place where it's like, yeah, I'm I'm very much British, but. Also, yeah. like I'm Kurdish in it. So if you're a young Kurdish kid in this country that you think, oh, I can't be a stand-up comedian or I can't yeah. be a, a, a like, do you know what I mean, an actor or whatever, you're like, no, we've we've got him. Like, like I can I can do it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And he doesn't hide from the fact. And I know for a lot of people, I think for a lot of Kurdish people, particularly young Kurds, it is very hard to even just say they're Kurdish because it's the answer that you give is a very political answer all the time, right? Yeah. So for in order for for you to tell somebody where and i put this in my special code your enthusiasm on youtube you can go and check that out but yeah, yeah. just telling somebody where you're from is a long sentence like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. i know for a lot of i know for a lot of people they just say they're turkish and whatever but 
Yeah. I could, they say they're Turkish or Iraqi or Iranian, whatever. But for me, yeah. I could never, I could never relate to that. Cause I was like, these people are killing my, my people. Yeah. yeah, on yeah, a daily yeah, yeah. Basis. I've yeah. been on marches since I was eight, nine years old. Where, same, same like, in actually, London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm protesting this shit. Like, so I, at the end of the day, I can't say I'm with that because I have more in common with a Kurd from Diyarbakir yes. than I do with a, with an, with an Arab from Baghdad. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. So to say to myself, like, oh yeah, I'm Iraq. It it can't, like, I can't say that. I physically can't say those words for me. But then again, I understand I was in a position where I was raised by people that were firmly involved in the struggle. Do you see what I'm saying? Like my dad is literally battle. So I understand that I had a strong sense of identity and who I was and where I was from. And I came from a family like for a lot of people, they they probably didn't have that. So I don't, I don't dispute it, but I, I. I feel like with what I do, what you do yourself, if you yeah. feel proud with, with your identity and you're like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm Kurdish, I'm out there, you, there will be a young child watching your shit going, oh my days, yeah. like you're Kurdish. And you're like, yeah. And then they're like, bro, I didn't, oh, God. I didn't even know you do this stuff because you get a lot of them saying, oh, you, you can only be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yeah, or exactly. Like, like, exactly. Like, coming a barber or a, or a kebab shop owner or a cash and carrier. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? There, there's a certain amount of, so you take the educational route or these little small businesses, yeah. But there's nothing. It feels like there's a glass ceiling in certain aspects. So yeah, yeah. It's always it's always wonderful to be able to provide that beacon of hope for a lot of the younger generation. Yeah, of course. I was on. Um, I got invited to go on a Turkish TV a morning show, pretty big one. It, it had like something like twenty million viewers or something like that. And I said, yeah. I said, <laughs> I said, as a as a Kurdish Turk in London. I pointed out all the Kurds in London, all of that. And I had actually, I had so many messages from people going, oh, fuck, that was very brave of you to mention that you're Kurdish. I was like, why? I was like, we're all people at the end of the but, day. But, but the problem is, because if, they, if, if there was a Kurd living in Turkey that did that, you know there'd be massive repercussions. <laughs> Bro, but this is the thing. You know, when, you know when things were popping off for the Kurds, like, uh, was it six months ago in Turkey when things were going mad? Um, I mean, it's always popping off. Like right now, they're off. Yeah. by um, uh, Kurdish cities in Syria, like Afrin. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I couldn't. I said to my dad, I was like, Dad, I want to do a post about this to like um, help Kurdish people, maybe do like something with charity, do something. He's like, yeah. You need to understand that. He goes, uh, You're probably not, you put your profile probably isn't big enough to make a huge difference at the minute, but it's big enough to get their attention. And if you want to see your grandparents and not get arrested going into Turkey, you got to be a little bit careful with what you say. And I'm like, fuck, this is so annoying because I want to go see my family, but I don't want to go get arrested. Cause bro, I, if I want to keep my Turkish passport, I, I still have to do military service. You know that? <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you see, that's something I would never do, but I mean, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah, of course I know. I, know, I did. Yeah. I, I like, so uh, a few years ago, there was, um, not a few years ago, we're talking about pre-Iraq war, there was yeah. no international airports in the Kurdish region of Iraq, right? So in Kurdistan, yeah. there was no, like, you didn't have the one in Slimani, you didn't have the international airport in Erbil, all you had was the route to get to there was either through Turkey or yeah. through Iran. Yeah. Now, I did that route twice with my parents, yeah. and... I'd never felt so like, you know, 
do you know what? There's a there's a like if you look at the border between Turkey and Iraq, there's a Top Gear episode where they go through it. I see that. Yeah, I know which yeah. one you're talking about. Yeah, and yeah. Jeremy Clarkson, James May, and and Hammond, uh, they're just, they're there and they're talking about this is probably one of the most scariest borders we've been at. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah, that, yeah. that's three white men saying that, right? That's yeah, three yeah. white men. Saying that, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they hold you up for no reason. They hold yeah, you up for no reason. Yeah. They 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 know who you are. They know why you're going there. Yeah. And I remember I'd never felt such a attack on on myself or my family like like an attack on your humanity right yeah it was basic things bruv like they were like oh yeah we need to search your bags right yeah and like they take your bag off you and then they open it up and then they just throw all your clothes on the floor i know yeah Yeah. on the concrete floor bruv and they 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 look at you like you're subhuman they've got these rifles pointed at you and whatever and and what i'm like 12 yeah yeah yeah. And the next time we went like 15 and yeah. it's like, you know, for you to experience that, you're like, why, why am I, I've got a British passport at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Like I, I'm British, but because you know that my background is Kurdish. Yeah. Like just mere thought of that. Yeah. It, it makes you want to exercise some sort of power over me and, and, and make me feel like I'm a lesser person. And, and that it's hard when you see like you're with your parents and you're a young kid like that and you're seeing them you see your mum and your dad in that position it's frustrating and you know what similar things are happening in america now with like black people do you know what i mean well of course of course of course and it but but, i mean this is the thing right this is why um whenever i see these these um these atrocities happening in, in america and and in britain yeah it constantly rams home that kind of feeling that i that i've had do you know what I mean? You've like had the experience. Yeah, I've had 100%. Even, you know, when I was playing football in Turkey, right? Um, 16 years old, going for trials for like big clubs out there. And like, they would ask me, where are you from, Darren? We're going to the mosque. Are you coming to pray? I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm a Kurdish. I live here. I don't, I don't pray straight away. Yeah. Like, and like, for people who didn't know religion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was, I, yeah. was, I was like fucked in so many ways. I was fucked with being Kurdish. I was fucked with not going to the mosque and I was fucked from my dad's political views because my name in Turkish means resist, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I've got it from so many angles. For me to even sign for a club is such a struggle. I'm going into the trial. The coach asks me, what's your name? My name's Didan. Straight away, he knows my dad's political view. Straight away. And yeah, when he, it comes he, to... Either thinks that he, he knows you're either Kurdish or a communist. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly and, and my parents and they were like they were political refugees so so my yeah, dad had to leave because they were they were fighting against fascism in istanbul they used yeah. to have gangs that used to fight against fascist gangs my dad was arrested when he was 18 and got tortured under a school for a month he was missing and no one knew this and obviously i wouldn't have been around if that happened but if um I remember my grandma telling me like, oh, like your dad, your dad went missing for a month. We didn't know if he was alive or not. And he comes out and they, they tied all the 18 year olds up that were kind of left wing. They tied them all up and they used to make them listen to the police torturing their elders for a month in, in, in like water and like under a school with water and just dark all tied up. That sort of fuckery is like, and that's why when my dad, when, so, when someone gets aggressive to my dad, right, in London and you get these youths going mad, my dad's like, <laughs> I'm like, dad, calm down, please, please. Because well, this is it. Like, it, like 
Yeah, and you don't understand the, the post-traumatic stress disorder that your your parents have probably had to go through. Like when, yes. like my dad to this day, if 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 you drop a pot or pan or whatever, and there's a loud sound, and he's like, "What the what the fuck are you doing?" kind of thing, because it's like, you, it's it's hard for you to envisage what they've been through. Like I I know my dad probably seen, I know for a fact he's seen his best friends die. Do you know yeah, I mean? he yeah, said, yeah. He said when they were when they were fighting, when they were like part of the armed struggle, he's like they joke about who'd die first. He's like, oh, you're, he's like you're gonna, he's like you're gonna be martyred first, and he's like, nah, you're gonna be martyred first, and whatever. No it's like, way. Yeah, That's because mad. like they, they, they literally. So the 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 name for fighters that they had was Pirsch Madiga. Okay. So um, it means those who face death. Pirsch, like in front yeah, of. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was like those who those who are in front of death. So they literally didn't believe they, they were gonna survive, but they were so so committed to the cause this is why um <laughs> i often find it funny when i tell people right uh people often like oh would you would you think of um what would you think needs to be done in order to to tackle for example um police brutality in this country and and and, yeah. and, and further around the world like america and, what's and, I, and i always tell people like the the, the solutions are uncomfortable yeah, yeah the yeah. solutions are madly uncomfortable like you've got the it, it will involve like possibly putting your life at risk. Yeah. It will involve a lot of this stuff. And, and, and for a lot of us, are we, are we down for that? Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, are you, are you prepared? Do you believe in a struggle that much for you to, to, to leave your, your friends and family and whatever, and, and, and possibly even the chance to, 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 to have children, to have, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like grow to give up, whatever, to give up your luxuries, bruv, to give up your luxuries, yeah, all of that. Believe I don't... in this call so much. Yeah. And, and, and it is a hard conversation for a lot of people to have. That's why when people try and say, oh, you do a bit of activism, I'm like, bro, don't call me an activist, like real yeah. activist. Yeah, yeah, dedicate yeah. your life to this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, Me yeah. telling folks on stage about where I'm from is not activism. And I know people go, yeah, but it's still something like, bro, do not get it missing. It's not, it's not, it's different. It's very different. It's like right now, like when you're seeing the protests for Black Lives Matter in America and whatever, like yeah. if you, um, a few years back when they were protesting in Ferguson, yeah, a lot of those protesters ever since then have coincidentally all died. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it was like, well, died in accidents and whatever. And it's yeah. like, I'm not saying. You're not saying I'm, nothing, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. But, but I mean, you've got to understand when you put yourself in that sort of position, it's going to yeah. come with risks. Yeah. I think I get like, I, when I talk to people about that as well, and especially when people see my Instagram, they see me doing like funny videos and they see me doing fitness videos and all of that stuff. And when I talk about politics with them, one-to-one or even my last podcast I spoke about like racism and all that stuff with someone else they were shocked with my knowledge on it and I was like I'm I'm not like you said an activist but you you live through your parents experiences just like I have you've heard them speak about it they've told you about it and it's weird it's like even even you going on protests at eight nine years old yeah yeah, 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 yeah. do you know what I mean like you you've been embedded within that struggle yeah, of course. For a very, very long time. Bro, it's in like, my name, bruv. Resistance. Yeah. <laughs> it's in my yeah. name, bruv. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's mad. It's like... Whether you like it or not, like, just your mere existence is political. Like, whether you like yeah. it or not. Like, yeah. like, like, you having to tell people your identity. It, it only takes... You meet in a Turk in London, for example, and they go, what's, what's Kurd? Kurds yeah. don't exist. Yeah. You end up in that sort of... Oh, Debate. Not this, 
yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? But that's like why. Always, but, but that's why, like, when I talk to like Turkish guys, when I chat to Turks in London, and especially where I am now, usually I meet so all the Kurds in that in North London, right? So when I meet people, especially Turks, I'm like, yeah, I'm Kurdish. But with like anyone else, my entry level is Turkish, and then I talk about being a Kurd. But with Turks, I'm always like, yeah, I'm Kurdish. My mom's from here. My dad's from here. And it's good to make that clear on the get-go because it doesn't allow them to talk shit. Because if they did, then I would be human. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then it always it, ends up in some madness. The most racism I've experienced um, in this country, because people always bang on about it. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like This country has its own race, race issues as well. But the most racism I've experienced in this country has been from Turks and Arabs. Oh, like that's, okay, that's yeah. Like, even it would be I spiteful. They would say spiteful things. Well, bro, like, for, as an example, for, uh, like, when I was 15, I went to a &E, I was playing football, the ball hit my uh, finger, and, like, I think I, I damaged a tendon or whatever in there. I went to yeah. a &E, and a doctor was an Egyptian guy, and he was like, oh, you lot, Kurds, what's that? You lot fire worshippers, what, this, that, the other? <sighs> like, and you're like, bro, like, I'm 15... <laughs> I'm, I'm here in A and E. Like, yeah. What's your beef, bro? Like, <laughs> yeah. And but that's the thing, though. He has to talk to a kid like that. Trying to, trying to, like, 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 yeah. demean you or whatever. He's like, where? What's your name? Where are you from? Kind of thing. Oh, what's that name from? Oh, what? like, these aren't questions that doctors should be asking someone. Yeah, Do you see what I'm coming from? Like, yeah. like in order to to fucking dent your confidence as a young man while you're while you're in A and E, where you're probably. I mean, come on, like, it's not like I had uh, a life-threatening disease or whatever, yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah. you're vulnerable in those situations, especially when you're alone. Yeah, yeah. It's, but you know what? It's mad. Like, in England, if it, was, if it was an English person, you wouldn't have to worry about that. If it was an yeah. English person, you wouldn't worry about that. But if it's someone that comes from that region where there's so much happening, you know they're yeah. asking for a bad reason. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. funny because they will... Isn't it mad? Like, like Muslims talk shit about muslims and it's like even worse over there and the way they go on whatever he's asking you there he would probably hate you more than if he is a racist would hate you more than he would hate an english kid coming in he would treat the english kid like his own but then yes. someone that's next door like next door neighbor to his country will treat him like shit and interrogate him it's fucked yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it and yeah, yeah, but even like i think like i don't know you tell me what you think i think compared to america with the police and stuff in the UK, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I actually think when people complain about the police in the UK, I'm like, bruv, I've seen police all over the world. We're lucky here compared well, to... Well, I mean, I think the, 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 the thing we're lucky about is the fact that they don't have guns. That, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the only thing we're lucky about. Okay. Otherwise, I mean, it's not to say that... <laughs> it's not to say that they don't have their own issues as well. I mean, I don't know of if you saw on social yeah. media, there's a whole list of... Um, uh, black people that have uh, been mistreated by police. I mean, we don't even have to go that, that far back. The vilification of Mark Duggan and the way yeah, yeah, yeah. that sparked the 2011 riots. Like, and that was when police had guns. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're saying the with, with the gun, there's that element of power, that power trip. Well, it's, it's essentially police officers are often afforded the luxury of, oh, they pulled the trigger because they were panicking or they were following an order. Remember Jean-Charles de Menezes, yeah, the poor yeah, Brazilian yeah. guy that got shot in Stockwell 
yeah, at yeah, Stockholm yeah. Station. There's a there's a there's a mosaic outside the station of his yeah. face to this day because he was shot wrongfully by police as well because they thought he was he was a terrorist when he wasn't. And it's like the the the, the fact of the matter is is there the I mean police nowhere I think are gonna are perfect anyway, but the, the, the police are afforded the luxury of being able to panic yeah. when they're in that situation and they're like, oh, they pulled the trigger because they were under duress, this, that, and that. Yeah. But they expect you or somebody else to be absolutely calm when you've yeah. got a gun in yeah. place or whatever, right? Yeah. And, or, and, and do you know what? Just, just the mere sight of authority yeah. can, be, um, can be intimidating. Now... Yeah. That's not to, like, listen, I mean, a lot of the time people come from a position where they've never been stopped by the police or whatever. So they don't know. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't have that. They don't, they, you know, they, they don't have that insight. They're like, well, I'm sure the police were just doing their job. But, <laughs> yeah. 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 I hate that. I hate that. No, they wouldn't like, think that. No. <laughs> yeah, like, you yeah, had that interaction with police. You would never, yeah. do you know what I mean? You would yeah. you, be like, yeah, well, pro- what was the guy doing? Like they yeah. often end up blaming the victim or whatever, but you don't, I mean, it. it <laughs> look how long it takes to to become a teacher. Yeah. Like Jeremy, look how long it takes to become a whole like a doctor. Look how long it takes to become a whole heap of these professions, right? Yeah. And you look at how long it takes to become a police officer. It pales in comparison to the time required and, and yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The training yeah. needed. But, but I find it funny, like you said, those people that don't exactly know. And Australia is quite like that. When I, li- when I first started living in Australia, people are so... I love Australia. And the people are really nice. And they're sometimes they're so far away from, let's just say, action. They don't realise there is people that have bad intentions. So Yeah, well, listen, man. <laughs> like, Australia is a whole different kind of fish. You know, up until the 70s, they classed black people as flora and fauna which aboriginals means, the aboriginals yeah well they're yeah, aboriginals yeah. are suppressed yeah. bro do you know what but, i mean but do you know what that means to be classed as flora and fauna they they, they, they were they were literally classed as plants they weren't classed as humans up until the 70s that's mad actually i do remember watching a documentary on that they were doing protests in canberra in front of their um yeah, yeah i do remember i do remember that's but do you see how crazy that is like yeah. for for them and and the semis ain't that far away, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you know, bro. And I've I've spoken to. What's crazy is because in Australia, the it's not as multicultural as the UK, right? And oh, some of the some of the people that I've spoken to out there, they, they haven't even chatted to a black person. They haven't chatted to a black person, right? And this guy, one day we're at football training, and he just casually dropped the N word, and I was like, bro, I was like, fam, you no. That's not so you can't be saying that. He goes, What mate? I'm only joking. And I'm like, bruv. I said, listen, Even if- but yeah. you say that in London. You say that anywhere, bruv, you'll get licked in the face. <laughs> I was like, it's not yeah. a joke. I was like, cause and I think it's hard for people because like I guess racism is an act of ignorance, but it's just they don't know. They, because some people have never had that struggle or been suppressed in a way, they don't know what it feels like. So therefore they feel like they can just say random things like that. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like it's my duty if I'm there and I'm like, if I'm there, if I don't say nothing, I'm like, I feel like a coward. Well, well I mean, I mean, you, but, but that become, that comes from a place where you've obviously 
experience, you've been on the other end of it and you realize what it's like to be made to feel subhuman by yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so when you're seeing it happen to another, yeah. it's like, why, why some people ask me, like, why do you care so much about like Black Lives Matter or whatever? And I'm like, because my people literally go through the same thing in Turkey, Iran, Iraq, yeah, Syria, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and across the whole of the Middle East, you see where I'm coming from. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So when I see it over here and stuff, like immediately it brings back that kind of trauma that you're that you're going through there. Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. we may put on happy faces through social media and this, that, the other, right? Yeah. But at the back of your mind, there is always like you still all that stuff still stays with you. Like Bro, hundred percent. Sure Turkey, I'm sure when you go to Turkey and you tell some people you're Kurdish, there are some people have certain attitudes and belief towards that. Of They'll course. probably call you a mountain Turk or this. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, those kind of phrases, which is, which is for those that don't know, it's another derogatory term that they use. Yeah, 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 yeah. They'll call you a mountain Turk, so they don't even call you like they they class you as like goats and shit. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, they, they say things to belittle you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And because it, it, I have experienced that exactly, and which is and which is fucked, and it's crazy, and it still happens in today's day and age. It's yeah, but that's not. And so when you see, that's what I'm saying. When you see people using the N word or whatever, you're like, bro, don't do that because you yeah. know exactly, not not exactly like, but yeah. you know how it feels to be made to feel like that. So yeah. you're, and you're like, don't, don't make somebody else feel like that, man. Yeah. Please. And yesterday, when like I did a post, like, and I just put, put pictures of all my black boys, right? And I was like, oh, oh, there's so much. I've got black friends too. Thing. No, 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 not like that. Not like that. Not like that. Not like that. I just dropped a caption about like <laughs> racism and being. I've got. Oh, yes, I have black friends too. I'm not racist. <laughs> you know, that's like the most common. It's the most common thing that's said in it when someone says they're not racist. I have. I have black friends. But um, yeah, yeah. what I was saying was, I was like, um, I wanted to make a point, but it was very hard for me to do a post because in my head there's like so much that can be said on this topic. And I'm like, I didn't exactly know what to say because there's like so much in my head. But even the whole like everyone going blackout Tuesday or whatever, I, I, I don't know if I like, I don't know. I don't know who started that. I don't know exactly why that happened. Because in my head, I was thinking, all I could see was in my head, I was like, I, I get from that. My yeah, bro. from my understanding, bro, it was started off by two women, two black women in the music industry. And it was an idea for... Uh, the music industry to okay yeah to yeah yeah yeah, pause, yeah yeah go on pause to use that day not to have a, like essentially a day off but to not post anything self promotion wise but to promote the black struggle and yep. uh, to, to for people to educate themselves and send each other links and stuff about that right yeah I think what it then turned into was like people putting in putting black squares over the whole Black Lives Matter hashtag which ended up oh, like blocking out the content that should be seen yeah. And I think for, from my, my point of view, what, what annoys me about a lot of social media activism is it becomes trendy for the minute. Yeah. And a lot of it, a lot of it is people uh, satisfying their own conscience. Now I spoke about this in my, spe in my last special um, people, people sit there, they do that and they go, Oh great. I did something. And it's like, well, did you like, apart from, you telling yourself I've done something and you satisfying your own conscience, have you actually enacted any sort of change? Now, and, and I felt for a lot of people, it, uh, a lot of celebs and a lot of brands that did it, it made them sort of absolve themselves of any responsibility. It made them feel like, right, we've put this up, now we're cool, we're fine. So yeah. it's like, 
what are you really doing? Like, I mean, you look at a lot of these brands and how tone deaf, tone deaf they can be because they don't yeah. have any black people in uh, like making the real decisions in, in their companies or yeah. any sort of people of color. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, they don't yeah, have yeah, any yeah. like, making these sorts of decisions that allows them to have a very nuanced view on a lot of these matters. And there's, there's a lot of people that you saw putting up the posts that quite possibly still have a lot of racist characteristics that they don't understand and they haven't taken the time out to learn, but because they've seen everybody else put it up, they're like, Oh shit, I don't want to be, don't want to be felt left out. Yeah, I don't yeah, do I mean, we saw when um, they had the blue um, or oh, Paris. No, no, no. The, for Sudan, remember the oh, like for the Sudan. Light, that was for Sudan. Yeah, yeah, for yeah Sudan. sorry. And they had the yellow ones for Rojava. For yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. And it doesn't do anything. It's and then even when you had like the Je suis Charlie ones, when they had the French flag for the French yeah. overseas, uh, for the French terrorist attacks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, when you saw that stuff, it's a very nice way of saying, "Oh yeah, well, I did my bit." Look at yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. now like let's go back to normal. It's like and again we can see like in this country over the past month or so and even longer where people were clapping for the NHS every Thursday. Yeah. But at the same time the government announced there's gonna be a public sector pay freeze, which means that nurses won't be getting a pay rise. So it's like Rough. what we're doing is clapping on one hand, but what what the, what we're what we're doing in action doesn't doesn't correlate doesn't go hand in hand yeah empty gestures are all very well and good to make you feel better but unless it's enacting some sort of change and the fact of the matter is when you tell a lot of people oh you need to do this this and this they don't want to do it because it goes to what we were saying earlier it makes them uncomfortable it makes them uncomfortable and they can't they can't even discuss it because they're number one I i feel like there is people that have the fear of um coming across racist in conversation because they don't know exactly what to say to the other person and they feel like they might be judged as a racist from the other person therefore they don't speak their mind but i'm, I'm always like there's a, lot of, there's, a lot, there's a lot of listening to reply rather than listening to actually hear what's being said and understanding it and digesting it for that reason as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. People, yeah, yeah. People, people are just ready to go but rather yeah. than let understand me it yeah exactly and yeah i'm I'm guilty of that in arguments i'm not gonna lie but um when it comes to stuff like this i think it's really an cool. argument this is the issue it this shouldn't is, be an yeah. argument this shouldn't be an argument you put what. people on a spot and they're like oh no but like no no no, no. what are you talking about no bruv like mm, but yeah, yeah. how about what about and it's just like no like just shut up and listen like yeah it but but that's the thing for example like with with the nhs claps for example everybody's clapping wherever yeah oh, nhs yeah. stuff Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna need you lot to pay a bit more tax to give them a pay. Oh no, nah, mate. We're no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Hey, bro, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. No, nah, yeah. can't do that. Can't do that. Can't. Nah, bro. What do you mean? Yeah. Like it, it, and and this is why I say with anybody, man. Like if you want change to happen, you're gonna feel uncomfortable. You're gonna, yeah. It's that losing weight. Yeah, yeah. Losing weight, like it. People love the idea of losing weight and having a six pack, but when it comes down to it, like, yeah. are you really ready for the sacrifices you need to make it happen? They're not like, consistent. They don't do the bits they need to do. And I, exp- I see this every single day and you're exactly right. You know, it's exactly you like that. Go to the gym. It's raining. Yeah. You've got to go to the gym. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're hungry. Delivery yeah. is there, but you've got to cook. 
Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's all things that make you uncomfortable. It's going that to that extra mile in order to get where you need to. And yeah. a lot of people, you can tell by the decisions they make in their daily life, they're never ready for that. For they're that. not, no. Like, I, mean, I mean, this whole, bro, they started a whole movement saying being fat's okay just yeah. because they're going to be <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. Yeah, Hold yeah. on, don't get me wrong. That's not me saying anything fat phobic. I think, like, listen, if you want to be the size you are and you want to be confident about it, fuck it, do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you start telling people, like, it's like when the whole backlash Adele got for losing weight. That it's was like, mental. It's like, why are you shitting on her for? It's crazy. Yeah, her losing weight was fat phobic. I was like, are you fucking out of your mind, bro? Like, she wanted to do it for her own benefit. Like, do you know how hard it is? It's like you want to get into better shape to be healthier, to be more active, be happier, and she got yeah. shit for it, which is fucking crazy, bro. Oh, I couldn't it's believe that. Bill That's so funny Bill you said Bill that. Comedian. He's a, Bill Burr, comedian, he's got a great bit on that where he's talking about how, like, um, the reason he applauds people losing weight. He's like, do you know how fucking hard it is? He's like, you know how fucking hard it is? You got to do sit-ups. You got to do, you got to eat salad. He's like, people's. People say it's expensive to eat healthy. Have you been in a supermarket? They're throwing carrots at you. They're throwing <laughs> carrots at you. And it's just like how like it's easy to put on weight. That's why he'll never applaud it. He's like, I can sit there yeah. with my cheeseburger, watching a game, having a beer. It's the fucking most easy. He's like, that's why he'll never applaud it. Kind of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how did you? How, how did you get into like? When did you decide like? Oh, I'm gonna be a comedian. Like or. Because you know what's funny? Yeah, I'm, yeah go yeah. on, go on, go on. You no, go, you go. Go on first, you I was going to say, I feel like people from our region of the word, world, there's always, I feel like we've got that bit of like, my, even like uh, people say I'm funny, right? But I'm like, I don't think I'm funny. I'm just being like myself. But I think my dad's yeah. funny. But like, and yeah, my dad's just like, being himself. Do you know what I mean? So and I just feel like people. From, come from a cult, I think we come from a culture where everybody had to sort of find like the bright side of things and have to like, yes. like, do you know what I mean? Like, so it's why a lot of, I feel like, I feel like, I mean, people always say the best art sort of comes from struggle and pain and yeah. and that kind of stuff, right? So that's why a lot of the comedians in America, I would say a black African-American, right? A yeah. black comedian. Just, yeah. Like they've been through stuff like the best comedians here are working class comedians. Do you see what I'm saying? There's been some sort of struggle to, to get to there. Yeah. Like, so you're right. Like back home, I've, like when I'm with my, around my cousins, there is no way I want to bust joke because they're Bro, so yes. when they're roasting each other, when they're roasting each other, I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. Like you wouldn't even think these guys are related. But when somebody else gets involved, they're all, they will back each other and then they get yeah, yeah, somebody yeah, else. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't feel like I'm as funny as them, but that's why like, they're like, what, you're funny, yeah? Like, and do you know what I mean? They, <laughs> they roast you. They, they don't understand the idea that this could even be a profession because they're like, what are you fucking talking about? We just do this stuff while we're having shisha every day. Like, what's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What so, uh, yeah, I, but I completely think that a lot of that trying to find the humor in things it was, was designed for them to just sort of like, as, as a coping mechanism. That's why, like, when you hear a lot of comedians when they're like, oh yeah, I just started out because I was like the funniest guy. Like I was on a corner like chatting shit and whatever. And then it's like, they started doing stand up and people were like, this guy's fucking hilarious and whatever. And it's great to see though. Like I feel like, I honestly feel like when you don't like what's, I, I don't find any comedian that's just like had it all when they were growing up funny. Cause I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like this? Yeah. If they do, <laughs> if, if they are, they're probably just using other people's material. <laughs> but it's just, 
like I, I feel like there has to be some sort of thing there for you to like why are you doing this if your life is perfect why are you, like you think about everybody you know with money and that had it all they're all fucking boring fucks bro. <laughs> like, it's so true <laughs> it's so true we went to monaco it was great we went to <laughs> yeah Spain. yeah yeah the fuck are you complaining about you know it's like dion cole he's an american he's like i can't he's like you know when you're with your rich friends and they start like telling you about their problems that aren't really problems like, <laughs> yeah. like, interior and you got like bitches in the back and they they got their heels on and they fuck it up yeah Man, fucked up ain't it and he's like you're looking at him like no motherfucker i don't know what i feel like. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's it's the same thing do you know what I mean? like you like i there has to be an element of relatability there and we 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 sort of use that and the reason i got into comedy was i was just like i was always just funny around people i think when i was younger i was fat right yeah i was i was like i probably still am um when yeah, i was through secondary school i was fat in it and like i had to find a way for people to <laughs> I was, no because i was never the best at sports like listen i could I was all right at football to the point where it's like, yo, stick me in defense. I'll, I'll, work, I'll come out. I'll come out a couple times, bang in a goal, and then and then run back, and then I'll, I'll chill there for a bit. You, you had your moments. You had your moments. But you were the guy in the changing room that was that was grilling everyone. The banter. The I would give shit to the other people, bro. Oh my yeah. god, like uh, like my shit talk game was was a one like where people get pissed off with me like from the other team swearing yeah. at me, whatever. But like. I was always good with like I could ping in a ball accurately from yeah, far, yeah, yeah. like a long ball from far. But it was like when it came to like actually running up and down and whatever, I was like, "This is long, bro. Stick yeah. me in. I'll be in defense. It's cool. I'll be centre back. It's cool. Or right back or whatever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was like trying to humor was trying to was sort of like I became funny kind of thing where it was yeah, like, yeah. "Okay, shit." Like because I got cussed as well for like a, I used to get like cussed a lot of the time about my weight and a lot of different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, but that, see that to that to some element that is you are not maybe not the word isn't suppressed but you're there is that element of struggle that made you the person that you are you know yeah. it's exactly that. a lot of it was verbal bullying like i hated going to school for a whole year bro because yeah. people were talking about your size your haircuts and what and you know like my parents never let me go out and get, my parents were like no i'll do my haircut myself like what do you mean you're going by <laughs> yeah oh, yeah i know <laughs> yeah I mean, that kind of stuff and you're going oh, for fuck's sake man i just yeah. want to have a normal haircut oh, but that's that's why i became a personal trainer because i always had weight problems i always had weight problems i was playing football and I, I was a decent footballer but my weight was always an issue with football so i had to learn how to become a good coach to coach myself and that's why i think people find me relatable because they i know how they feel Sorry? What was the first thing that helped you? What were the first things that helped you when you became a coach? Like, like, what, I first what, became what... a coach to help myself become a better athlete of football, right? And okay. that and what, happened. What, what mechanisms did you use to help yourself? Say that again. Uh, what mechanisms did you use to help yourself? Like, did you think, all right, cool? Um, like, my, 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 what I guess what I'm asking is, like, how did you do that? Do you see where I'm coming from? Like, how did you become the coach for yourself? Basically, I was um, one of my tutors at college. I studied because I loved sports so much. When I was in college, I was like, okay, it's, it's smart that I do like BTEC level sport or whatever. My tutor at the time, she was like, doing, you'd be a great coach. Like the way you train and the way you talk to people. Uh, she, the word she said, I said this on my last podcast, is she said that you have a very believable face. I believe everything that you say. <laughs> she was like, you should become a coach. 
It's good, people, yeah. People can't buy likability. That's the one thing people can't buy. Likability like will get you yeah. far in life. Yeah, yeah. People can't you a cunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but you know what? I'm not gonna lie. Funny you say that. That's actually opened a lot of doors for me. I've always been nice to people and I've always wanted to help people. And even like, for example, if I was a multimillionaire, I would rather have someone around that I can teach that I like than someone that has got fucking his masters in this and that or whatever. But he's a fucking little prick. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You just don't want him around. You rather have the person that you like around. You know what I mean? And I feel like because of that. I've been around the people that I've learned from and it's like kind of made me who I am today. Do you know what I mean? But um, that's why I became a coach. Yeah, that's why I became a coach because I wanted to be a better version of myself. And then when I helped people and I saw people progressing, losing weight and seeing how they felt, I was like, fuck, this actually feels good. And then I just, it just took off from there, to be honest. But yeah, but that's how no, it was. Yeah, did, you, did you ever like, when you were first trying to lose weight, were you doing like the mistakes other people do? Like starting yes, yourself? bro. Everything, everything. I did everything. I did no carbs. I even went vegetarian, keto, Cambridge diet, this diet. The only difference is with people is I just did it a lot earlier. So I learned quicker. So yeah. that's why when people are going through those things and when they're telling me about it, I know. And I'm like, and do you also feel like this? They're like, yeah, how do you know? And I'm like, because I fucking did it. And this is why all the personal trainers with their... Um, genetically lean guys that with their six pack and this and that which is fine but they don't understand just like the whole racist thing they don't know the struggle through that so they don't completely understand so it's easy for them to brush off okay a lot of guys on social media just get off your ass and run go for a run get that fucking cake out of your mouth it's simple if you follow my six-step guide you will lose weight you'll get the six-pack you want all it takes is hard work. It's like, nah, bruv, like, I started off as a fat cunt. Like, just, like, you started off. Teach me, teach me. You've had abs since birth, and now you're chatting shit because you took Diana out for the four cycles. And, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and now you're, anyway. But you're, you're training now, though. You're training. I see you making moves and the training. How's that going? So, so, basically, when I was 18, I joined a gym or whatever, and... I remember, bro, I couldn't do deadlifts. I remember I did deadlifts with, I think it was one of them 15 kg weights you get at 15 fitness. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I remember waking up the day after, right, and my back was in bits. And this is doing deadlifts with 15 kg weights, bro. Yeah. But then, like... You were probably um, doing it wrong. You were probably maybe weren't doing it right. No, I was doing it right. But it was like... because. But it was like, because I'd never worked that before. Like, okay, I'd okay. Never, I'd never done a deadlift before. My body was like, what are you doing, bro? What are you, 20 reps of this shit. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> and, um, but from there, like, I fell in love with, like, weights. I yeah. hate cardio. I yeah. can't stand cardio. And it was always very hard for me to commit to a football team or something like that. Or, yeah, like, it's a lot uh, of work. Sport. Yeah. It's a lot of work, especially if you ain't getting paid. It's like you gotta yeah, really yeah. love that shit. And yeah, yeah. I'll be honest, man, the idea of traveling to like Accrington for a, on a Saturday morning when it's raining and shit, like <laughs> I did that for years, man. <laughs> did not appeal yeah. to me in it. You know yeah. when I see guys like semi pro going, yeah, yeah, I got a game. Did not appeal. I'm like, so, I'm like, so when do you get a lion? Oh, I don't really get lion. You know, oh, fuck that. That, that was I, me. I was that guy. <laughs> I was that guy. That's funny. Yeah, but and then you I, just carried on training. 
So I just carried on doing weights and stuff. So like at one point I was I was deadlifting 100, not deadlifting, sorry. I was squatting 160 kg. I was deadlifting like about the same amount and stuff as well. And I was sick. I was strong. And then I was like, why am I like, why am I trying to like use all this? I think at one point I, I got injured in it. Like I had yeah. something on my back in it. And I was like, yeah. what am I doing this for? I'm not competing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eating, like I'm not, I'm not getting paid to do this or whatever. Why do I care so much about this shit? Um, so then, um, like I literally go to the gym now as a mental health thing. So like, I don't care yeah. how much weight I'm hanging or whatever, but I'm like, as long as I'm staying, I'm maintaining where I'm at and I'm, and I'm getting there. It's cool. During lockdown, it was the hardest transition for me to make. Right. Because I went from someone that's used to banging weights five times a week yeah, yeah. to like, Nothing. Okay. Doing band workouts yeah. at home. <laughs> oh, Listen, yeah, resistance bands are the Gucci belt of the fitness industry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got a flip. Why are you doing a, why have you got a resistance band doing squats? Why have you got a resistance band doing squats and press-ups? I still don't get it to this day. Like, all it is is time under tension and you lot are adding next dimensions to it. Like, you get this resistance band and you use it to do your pull-ups. It can increase it. Man can't do a pull-up. I'm seeing people doing pull-ups all with all the shit to get the technique right first and you're just adding in resistance. I see people with free resistance bands sometimes while they're doing a squat, you know. Do you know how much that jars me? I'm like, just just do 10 more. Just, just do, do 10, 10 more. more. Just do 10 more with the right technique rather than adding these nonsense bands to you. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So um, I started doing, um, I, like, I wasn't working out for ages. I got these like 10 kg dumbbells I found off of Amazon while it was still cheap, even yeah. though they weren't. Yeah. And um, ever since then, I've, I've tried to be, it's hard, man. Like when you're trying to do a hundred push-ups just to get your chest to feel something. Some pump. When you're trying to, like you can't, you can't, man. Like I've got the body of a stay at home dad right now. It's long. <laughs> like I'm just, I look like, I look like I'm on nappy duty at 6 a.m. <laughs> With, with no kids yeah it's like my arm is literally straight like, you can't see a muscle anymore like it's ridiculous me i used to have big arms um and it's scaring me man but um you'll be back to normal soon and you'll be you'll be fine anyway. yeah muscle man. but but, but the good I, thing is bruv you, fam listen you don't have to be in shape you're a funny guy you're a comedian no, but it, I, I do i want to be i want to be topless on stage like they uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be doing what you and James are doing all the time. I haven't Sick seen guys. you all the top of ages. Um, I want, no, but in, in all honesty, like, I've been doing 3K runs at the moment. Like, I remember, I think it was early or late April, someone yeah. tagged me one of the 5K challenges, right? And I yeah. did 5K, it took me like 33 minutes, right? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. what am I running for, right? Because I still, I still hate running, right? Yeah, but yeah. But I've been doing 3K run business for about two or three weeks now, and I'm doing it like four or five times a week. That's good, bro. Just get, get improve on that, bro. Because you know what? Once your cardio is, you know the feeling, it's mad. That struggle, cardio struggle, although it's not like doing weights, but there's something very satisfying when you're finished. It's like doing something that you really hate. And when you're finished, you're like, yeah, I feel fucking good now that I've finished this. It, it puts your head, like your mental health is actually way better. For me, running is like therapy. That's why I do it. When I go out running, for you, for me, it's like torturing it. So, <laughs> like, I'm doing, I'm doing three days, right? And every time I finish, I'm like, and you know what? Like this week, where I was running in the heat, and my times were getting worse and worse every day. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? This is meant to be easier, not harder. And 
but I still do it. Like the thing, because I've got like um, a WhatsApp group with a bunch of comedians, and we're all doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm I'm being held accountable by other people. So when somebody yeah. puts it in the group, like, oh, for fuck's sake, they yeah, want their yeah. one. Do mine, kind of thing. So that's what's that's Keeping what's motivating. I just tell myself it's the distance that matters. It doesn't matter what time you do. Yeah, it. yeah, hundred percent. I I maintain that for a lot of us that aren't professionals in this shit, right? Yeah. Like, just moving is is the the biggest. Of course, bro. Of course. And I think the best investment I ever made was an Apple Watch. Bruv, counting your steps, knee up 24-7. That's what I promote all the time, bruv. People getting their steps up. That's why I do it. That's why I tell people to do it. It's so easy. You look at your watch, you hold yourself accountable to get your steps yeah. up. And I know you're doing it because I've got you. I'll watch your activity. You've yeah. Been, and you're hitting your goals. Uh, I see it. <laughs> bro, listen, I always hit over a thousand calories when I'm training. Like as in on the like when when we were at lockdown, there wasn't a day that I wasn't hitting a thousand calories burned. That's good. Yeah, you I know that's not massively accurate, but yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, that gave me a goal in my head where it's like if I haven't done that, I need to go out for a walk. I need to I'll take yeah. the dog for another. But it you holds I mean? you accountable. It holds you accountable. You know when you were telling you're saying like you're in a group of uh, a group chat with like comedians and stuff, you know when you uh, we're at the Apollo. How many people? How many people were in the audience? It's, uh, the Hammersmith Apollo is about, I think it's like four and a half thousand. But wow. I think it. I think, Fuck, that's I think, amazing. Yeah, probably like, or, or three and a half thousand, something like that. It was thousands oh, of people. Three yeah. thousands of people, which is fucking crazy. And I'm assuming you would have met. Was that the first? Was that your first big thing? And you were like, "Fuck, this is crazy." Like, what was that moment for you, being a stand-up comedian? So, it's crazy, right? Because I think a year and a half before that, or probably a year before that, I was thinking of quitting. Okay. I was like, I was like, I've. Do you know what? It was so funny because, like, I think for the last series of that Apollo, I was told I wasn't ready for it. Okay. Right? I was told I wasn't ready for that. I told I was. To, and, and when they say they're not ready for it, it, just means. It doesn't mean that. It just means. No, nah, we don't want you. You know, we don't want you for now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hear you. And um, I was getting told this by a lot of other um, TV programs and stuff. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing this? Like, because I'm going out every weekend in comedy clubs and I'm doing better than these people that you're having on these shows or whatever, right? Yeah. Not that it's a competition, but it's like, I'm happy for them. But like, come on, man, don't try and... I'm not a dickhead, in it. Don't tell yeah. me I'm shit. What is there? Like a scout? <laughs> is there like a scout that says, I'm taking you to Apollo? No, like, I mean, it's, it's, let me, let me go through it and I'll tell you. Okay. Right? So basically, the, 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 the way people sort of like gain notoriety in this country traditionally through stand up comedy is going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yeah. In, and then uh, taking a show up there. So you take a show up there and you spend 10 grand of your own money for like the venue. Oh, snap. Okay. Accommodation, everything while you're there, right? Yeah. And, uh, like a handful of people have a successful year there, like where they'll get like in the newspapers, this and that. And usually the TV industry looks at that to go, looks at that and goes, oh, they're the guys that are the best. The issue with that is there's, there's a massive issue with accessibility of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Like a lot of my friends had no fucking clue what it was. Yeah. Like a lot of working class people, or even some of my middle class friends, didn't know what the Edinburgh Fringe Festival was. So yeah. you get very middle class audience, very Radio 4 that go up there okay. and they probably don't understand some of the stuff you're talking about or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right? So for I think a lot of people, like, and I remember telling my friends to come up and they were like, 
like the prices over there, they they increase fourfold while the fringe festival's on. Yeah. Because it lasts for a month, right? So okay. I remember telling my friends to come up, and they were like, "Bro, they're saying it's like two hundred and fifty pounds to set a travel lodge for one night." Like, oh, yeah, that's for like, your people to like, come up there. That's expensive for a week for the money that I'm spending to come and see you for like a few days, right? Yeah. So I was like, that sort of shit already got me thinking over there. I was like, what the fuck, right? Anyway, so I decided once all of this stuff had happened, like, because I, I went to Edinburgh and whatever, and, it, and like, I had a great run, don't get me wrong, but people in TV and that still weren't taking notice. And then I got to a stage where I was like, oh, I want to quit or whatever. And one of my friends told me, she's like, listen, man, just give it your all for a year. Yeah. And if it and things happen, carry on. If they don't go. So I just like, I was like, do you know what? I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to film a special and I'm going to put it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, start a podcast and whatever. Started a podcast with a bunch of other comedians called Quotas Fool. Yeah. That was doing a lot of the time. Film my own special, sold it out, sold out the live show for the podcast, released the special. The special went <laughs> and did mad views. It's, I think now, like, it's not even been a year yet. Uh, it's coming up to a year. It's like close to 100K views. Sick. Yeah. And all of this sort of stuff, like, and that was like without any PR, yeah. without me pushing it to any like it was just through word of mouth it got that to that yeah, yeah, yeah. and i gained a massive following like releasing clips and stuff like that and like it was speaking to people like andrew schultz in america and seeing um like what he'd done with like just releasing clips and seeing yeah. what my friend mo mo gilligan had done here and guz khan these yeah. guys i'm friends they they were successful online i was like listen man i'm just gonna release my social i did that that did well and then, like, once you're seeing all of this stuff, like, when once you stop giving a fuck about the industry, yeah, and you're like, yeah, I don't care, man. I'm just doing my own thing. The way I would say is like, everybody's trying to get into a club. Meanwhile, yeah. you're you're across the road with some rum punch, <laughs> with a little door set up, and you yeah. and you got a little box and you're setting up music, and then everybody in that queue is sort of going, oh, hold on, wait, what's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, grab a drink, bro. Just vibes here, and then people are like, yeah, fuck this. I don't want to get in the club anymore. I want to be. With this guy, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, obviously the industry saw what was going on and they're like, what the fuck? And then um, I remember the people from Live at the Apollo were like, yo, where's, where's he performing next? And I was at the comedy store that weekend and they saw me there and I smashed it. And they were oh, like, yeah, sick. Yeah, you're on the next season. And then well, the day I got to the Apollo, right, it was so weird because, you know, when I got a call that I was doing it, right, it, it still didn't really sink in. It was more like, cool, I deserve this. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? By that point, it got past the point of me going, oh my God, man. Like, it was like, nah, man, I, I work for this. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm here. And, and I remember watching something. Um, Were you nervous? Were you nervous? Yeah, yeah. But I remember watching something where it was saying, act like you belong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? I've, I've, I've and seen I, that. I always, I started off on a black circuit where you were performing to bigger crowds before you were performing to smaller crowds. Okay. So, I always preferred the bigger crowds because you can't really see people's faces and the laughter travels. So you're allowed to be a bit, you, you perform a lot more, right? And then you see the laughter and the laughter's loud and whatever. Whereas in smaller rooms, you can see people's faces. They're a bit more like self-conscious about laughing because they think you might pick on them and that. Yeah. So when, when it got to the day, it was good nerves though, innit? It was like, oh, Excited, like I, you want to get on stage. I, Yo, this is this is what I'm here for. Like, this yeah, is yeah, yeah, what yeah. I'm going to be doing, bro. So I got on there, and 
like I probably had one of the best gigs of my life, bro. To the point where everybody was like, like "Fuck, bro, you smashed that!" Like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, sick. And it translated on screen as well because like the amount of people that watch it and follow me after seeing it, and because people used to tell me like, "Oh yeah, you you don't really get much followers from Liberty Apollo anymore. It it doesn't do that." I've got like thousands. I have sick. thousands of people following me from it, and sick. and it just goes to show like when you when you when you stay true to yourself and you 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 you've got an you got a plan and you stick to it like people will listen right 100 percent. you just got to be yeah, consistent if, with it do you know what i mean build it, come. if you build it they will yeah. come that, yeah, that age old saying like if you build it they will come 100 like, so percent. you have to believe it. it's like with anything man if you if you even with like fitness and weight loss when you set yourself to go and you're like this is non-negotiable i am getting yeah. to this it is non-negotiable Bro, and it, and it happens. There's like no other choice. And I'm not gonna lie. When I first um, when I first jumped on stage to do a talk and stuff, uh, usually when James has a tour, I open the shows, and I'm pretty much I like roast him a lot in it. I roast him and I roast people out. And people come up to me, different. You should do comedy. I'm like comedy. No, no. I'm just like having a bit of bands with people that already kind of follow me. So I think it's a little bit different. But what you said about uh, a stage where there's less people. Mate, I get nervous when there's less people. When there's 100%. a lot of people, I have so much energy. I'm like shaking to get on stage. I'm like, I can't wait to get on stage. When there's it's the best people, yeah. Best people. People are less yeah. self-conscious, and especially when you when you're in a bigger audience, what that usually means is it's a better venue. Yeah. And everything's set up in a much better manner as well. Yeah. So you've is. got all the tools to succeed. Everything is set up for you. The, the lighting's low. Do you yeah, know what I mean the spotlights on you, like the crowd. The crowd feel like they're there for a show. Where, whereas yeah. when you're in a smaller venue, yeah, like people are like, oh, this is a bit makeshift. I don't know about this, you know. Exactly. <laughs> it's like with, with the big crowd, you acting like you belong is like you're already there. Like you belong there because you're there, and it's everything's there. Lights yeah. can't see people's faces, and then like yeah. when you say something, and then you hear someone cracking up, the confidence goes through the roof, bro. It's unbelievable. Yeah, isn't it? and you that see, feeling. and the thing is. The travels laughter is very contagious so when they're in the room yeah they're seeing this person laugh and a person around them laugh people are more likely to laugh laugh yeah. their head off whereas exactly when you're in a small room you're like hm. and then they're seeing someone do this silent laughter with their shoulders on <laughs> that don't help me bro like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Need to open your mouth scream yeah. bro talk yeah get me like laugh bro what are you talking about uh, so when i first yeah. when we were doing it when we were doing the tour and i was opening the shows like when we went to Australia, for some reason, I was quite nervous in the Australia show because their humor is different. They laugh a lot of like, if you say the word fuck, cunt, this, that, blah, blah, blah. They laugh at that, like go crazy. But like other jokes, they don't, they, they, they laugh, but it's not the same. For some reason out there, they love it when you're like swearing because I don't think enough people swear out there. Do you know what I mean? So it was weird. So when I... Oh, no, I think they do. <laughs> no, no, they, yeah, maybe they do. But like when I was there, the first one, I was, I was a little bit nervous. I said something and then I heard an Aussie accent go, what did he say? And I was like, oh, fuck. Did I just fuck this up? And then luckily I said something else and someone started cracking up and I was like, oh, thank fuck for that, man. I'm all right now. But I was like, I got nervous first. But it's crazy. Yeah. The more I've stepped on stage, like the more and more confident you get. And now I just, I feel match fit and I feel confident going out there and talking, especially yeah. for some reason we've done day seminars and stuff. 
day seminars are decent, but when it's nighttime, the lights, you have a drink, it's the unbelievable, best. bro. It's unbelievable. It's the best. That's why I always tell people when people are like, why don't you do like comedy from your like a Zoom on Zoom in your house? I'm like, it's not the fucking same, man. I do it for the audience. When the audience are there, it's nighttime. I'm in a I'm in a comedy club. Everybody's there to have a good time. The yeah, feeling yeah. the energy's unmatched. there, isn't it? The energy. The energy's yeah. there from people and you get Absolutely. that. That's Absolutely. Not- people have come from a hard day's work and they're like, do you know what? This is my treat. Yeah. I'm coming yeah. here, I'm gonna laugh, kind of thing. And you do it. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Like you just can't get that kind of interaction on zoom. Yeah. When all this is over, I'm coming to one of your shows, bruv. I'm coming. What to is it? I mean, listen, man, oh, do you know what's so funny? Before I came on a chat with you, I had a, I had a chat, um, uh, with my management and, um, it's uh, about the, like even the live circuit reopening again because for a lot of comics right now or well, not for a lot all of us like the live comedy industry is just shut down because there's yeah completely no, yeah um and I, I had a tour booked in for october and it's looking highly unlikely i think at this stage that it can go it okay. can go forward yeah even it'll, it'll eventually happen though yeah, eventually yeah but but the issue is you don't you don't even know how long this thing's going to go on for, whether there will be a second wave. And even if it does, whether like social distancing rules are going to be in place for a lot longer than we envisage. So, yeah. so for a lot of theatres, like for example, I was meant to do three dates at a lesser square theatre. Those tickets are already sold out. So what are you going to do? Tell people that they, they have to socially distance. So we're going to have to break it up along more shows. That means yeah. booking out the for a longer time and, also, it means a theatre having to pay people for a longer time, so it's going to cost more, and it, like yeah. it's just not viable. It's, a, it's, it's like, a headache. It's, it's a headache. People, it's a headache. yeah, people having to sit two meters apart from each other in a venue of about four hundred, you're mm. probably going to get fifty to <laughs> do you know what I mean fifty people in because yeah. they have to spread apart or whatever. Yeah. So it's just looking, it is looking very unlikely, it's unfortunately. When, when it is all back and running, hopefully when I do it, because I, I wanted to film another special this year as well. I mean, that's, that was a plan. I would, wanted to do that. But um, do you know do what? You listen, we just got open shows for anyone. Do you like, uh, for example? So when, Mo, so when Mo had his tour, I opened for him. Because um, me and okay. Mo, we've been mates for ages. And um, when it all popped off, he, he was just like, he initially started off with 10 dates. He was like, do you just want to open for me? He's like, I just want to go on tour with people I'm friends with. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, like everybody that was on that tour was his friend like his dj is his friend his um uh tour manager was a friend yeah like do you see what i'm saying like we we were all kind of we we're all friends and we we're just doing this like oh is this how you tour all right cool whatever Let's yeah 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 um, and that was a great experience as well and i've opened for andrew schultz when he was in london sick um and i've opened for another comedian called dave baptiste as well when he was on tour um but yeah like i think i'm Right now, I'm more focused on myself, rather, and and I That's just I, I do I do a lot of performing in comedy clubs on the yeah. weekends and stuff, just trying to get like build on material, um, trying to get a new hour together. But it right now, I, like it's been three months where I've been inactive and I haven't been able to work on anything. Like because yeah, people people don't understand like when you're a comic, like you write material, you go to a comedy night, you perform it. All right, that worked, that didn't. How can I fix this? Then you go back another night and you and you, you build it, on yeah. it. It to the point where it's like fuck man why, how is this whole hour hilarious you're like that's taken like hours of stage time for me to get to that level so um 
I might, I might, we'll I might, I might nah. attempt it. I might attempt it, bruv. Come I in there. Do just it. Go nuts. I'll do it for Bants, bro. Get, get it on YouTube for banter. PT. Yeah. Trying to be a comedian for a night. Bang. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can try and hook that up for you, man. And when I need help, I'm like, take her, bro. I need backup. Night. At an open night, comedy night or something, if you want to do it. Yeah, bro. A bit of banter. Why not? Bro, if, um, thank you for coming on, bro. It's been great having you on. Where can people find you? You tell them. It's K Curd on everything. Uh, so K A E K U R D. That's my Instagram. Uh, like, under, uh, my, that's my Twitter. So on Facebook as well, K Curd. And on everything, really. Like, if K Curd.com, everything's K- there. K Curd.com. Um, there you go. Yeah, we still have websites. Ain't it mad? Like, do you know what I realized? Do you know what I found out recently? The, uh, you know, you know, after Google. Yeah. Um, people go straight to Instagram to find somebody rather than Google. So, yeah, like, if they yeah, hear yeah. about like on TV or whatever, they'll go straight to Instagram. And go well, the links, the link should be in the bio anyway. So, when you find someone from Insta, yeah, yeah. yeah. But my point is, if your Instagram is hard to find, yeah, 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 yeah. that's so true. Mine is big bird, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's K A E K Y D. And follow he's me. Got there, blue, like, he's got a blue tick. He's verified. He's big time. You'll see it. I'm all here, baby. I'm just trying to... Come on. All right, guys. Uh, Thank you guys for joining, listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you share it. You tell your friends and make sure you follow a man like K-Curd. Peace and love.